Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Praise God. Um, I'm so thankful to be here. You guys are doing an awesome job. I heard you guys doing a little chant there. One, two, three, life. Yeah. <laughs> Like, y'all mean business. You like you gonna have life up in Brooklyn up in here. So that is awesome. You have an awesome pastor, awesome man of God, man of integrity. He, um, he's a very, he's a very, very good friend of mine. And we go way, way, way back. Um, one of the couple of Haitian kids from, from Queens, you know? Where are my Haitians at? Are you seeing up in here? All right, all right. Where were y'all at when we were growing up, you know? <laughs> but it was all love. We, um, um, we've been doing... We got saved around the same time, ministry, and it's just good to see this. You know, when you see someone in middle school, high school, talk about ministry, then you see the, the manifestation of it. It just brings you such great joy. You want to just celebrate. I remember when he actually says, yo, I've been, I think God's calling me to lead, to lead a church. And I was like, I'm happy for you. I wish you wouldn't leave us. <laughs> so you're happy, but at the same time, you understand there's a call. You have to answer that call. Amen. And because he answered that, you guys are here today. Amen. Isn't that awesome? I also want to give big ups to my family. Look at that beautiful family over there. Stand up, guys. My wife, Omatayo Noizet. Um, my daughter, she's holding Micah. My son, Judah. My other daughter, Zoe. She's all bashful. She's beautiful. Two front teeth taking out. We're out like this past week. All right, so let's give him a hand, guys. This is awesome. Um, you guys can see it. Thank you. <laughs> um, I was meditating on this word, and sometimes when you're ministering, you wake up with a message. And I was going to go in one direction, but then I woke up with this message in a totally different direction. And I really believe this is what God has ordained, and I feel like this is going to bless your socks off. How many of you guys ready to get your socks blessed off? Amen? I'm so excited about the Word of God and what He has prepared for this day. I want to start off by saying this. You're not normal. You're not basic. You're not average. You're not happenstance. You're not an accident. You were born for such a time as this. You are the embodiment of greatness. You the express heaven purpose in this time and this hour. You know, you weren't conceived 25, 35, 40 years ago. You were conceived in the mind of God. Before there was a mountain, before there was a tree, before there were oceans, before there were rivers, you were on the mind of God. And you were conceived then, not conceived years ago. And let me tell you something. When God conceived of you, he conceived of greatness. He conceived of power. He conceived of glory. He conceived of great, great power and glory and might in this day and age. You weren't popped out randomly amen God said you know what I have this conception in my mind 
but I have to inject it. I have to make sure that it lands at a certain period of time. You were covered up in eternity. And they got cracked open and planted you here at this specific time for a specific reason. You weren't designed to be average. You weren't designed to be just a by and by. Just you live and then you die and then that's it. You weren't designed to stay in the cubicle nine to five every single day of your life. And all you have is retirement, a 403k, 401k, no matter what it may be. And that's it. Amen. You were designed for something more and greater than that. I was, you know, I, I work, I do ministry, but I also work. But I know it's just an ends to a means. I know this is not my life, right? I know I have to pay a mortgage, right? I have to pay this. I have to pay bills. But I know this isn't it. I know this is not legacy. I know this is not my mission and purpose in life. You have to understand this is, you may be working somewhere else, but keep in mind, keep focused. What is your mission and plan for life? What mark are you going to leave? What legacy is coming, back, is coming after you? That's what should be on your mind. Amen? And God has called each and every one of us here to be champions. Someone say, I'm a champion. Someone say, the champ is here. The champ is here. Amen. Who's the champ? You're the champ. Amen. You have arrived. Hallelujah. You are the champ. I'm going to tell you something. Though you may not feel like it, you say, Pastor Jacques, you know what? I'm timid. I'm shy. I'm not that guy. I like to lay low. You know, it's not me. I'm going to tell you, you're a champion anyway. That's in your DNA. You can't even deny that. That's in the fabric of your being. It's coursing through your veins. You can't control it. You are a champion whether you like it or not. It's already been decided before you were born, before you were gifted. You are going to be a champion here and now. Nothing's going to stand before you. No obstacle you cannot overcome because you are a champion. You are the living champion. You serve a champion. You serve a heavyweight champion. Hallelujah of the universe. No one can hold them back. Therefore, they can't hold you back. Amen? That's who you are. You know what? I think time and time again, we get too well acquainted and too familiar with who we were. Oh, that, you know what, me, I, I'm that kind of person. I don't like to be around people. You know, I'm, I'm to myself. You know what, I'm just, I like to lay low, go to church, and I'm out. That's just who I am. I've always been like that. But is that really you? Is that really you? See, the real you is the recreated you. That's the real you. Amen? Amen. That's who you really are. That's who God sees when, when Gideon's like, yo, we're the least. We're, 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 we're weak. He's like, no, no, you're a mighty man of valor. That's how God sees you. Whenever you're approaching a, a challenge or a stressful situation, he sees a mighty man of valor, a mighty woman of valor. He sees a champion. Romans 8, 37. I can go there. Oh, I'm kicking lights. It says, and you guys know this scripture very well. <clears throat> Let's read it together. Yet, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through. We are what? More than conquerors. One more time. We are what? More than okay. Now, what I used to always wonder is, why more than conquerors? Why not just conquerors? What is the difference between me being a conqueror and I'm, I'm more than conquered you? 
right? I got the flag. I planted it. I conquered you. What more can I do to conquer you than taking what you have? But God took it to a whole nother level. He says, you know what? You're not just a conqueror. And that, that, that term also means champion. Not just a champion. You're more than that. You surpassed that. You're beyond just conquering. You're beyond just a champion. You're bigger. You're greater than that. I said, God, what does that mean? What it means is this. Not only do you crush the competition. Someone say, I crush. <laughs> I mean, me and my kids, we play games, and I, I don't always let them win. I'm not that kind of parent. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. I'm just the kind of guy, you know. You got to really beat me. You got to really beat dad. You can't just, you know. And they know that. They're like, all right, all right. Like, sometimes they little, little cry a little bit. But hey, you know what? They're going to learn. They're going to learn. But I said, yo, when you play this game, you know, you're going to crush, right? You're going to really dominate, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do noises do? We dominate. We crush, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you better crush in this thing. That's the mindset you need to have. When you have surpassing, when you're more than a conqueror, look at the life of Jesus. Turn to me to Colossians chapter 2, um, verse 15. When you look at Jesus, he's the perfect model of being more than a conqueror. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. And he broke it down like this, right? I'm just going to read it. And he says, through the cross, hallelujah, through the cross, He, Jesus, is it there? All right, so I won't even try to quote it then. <laughs> Having wiped upon, wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was con- contrary to us, he had taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Next verse. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> I'm doing all of this. <laughs> oh, feel my help coming on. Praise God. It's <laughs> right there, Pastor John. All right, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a spectacle of them, triumph, triumphing over them in it. So when Jesus was nailed to the cross, what did he do? Not only did he disarm the principalities and powers, what else did he do? He made a spectacle of them triumphing over them. He didn't say, you know what? I'm going to disarm you. I'm going to defeat you. I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to publicly shame you. I want you to know that I'm not going to put my feet on your neck. I'm going to embarrass you before all to serve notice that I reign and that you can't touch me. That's the kind of power you have. Turn to the message Bible. I love it in the message version because it really, really, really brings it out. See, Jesus didn't just win. He doesn't just want you to win. He wants you to send a message out there to every heavenly, earthly body that you are a force to be reckoned with in this day and age. Amen? And he does that just through the simple act of being nailed to the cross. What wasn't simple for him? But because we have faith and believe in what he did to the cross, we have that as well. We have that power as well. Amen? The Bible says, behold, I've given you all authority to trample, not to play with demons and, 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 and devils, to trample. They're beneath you. 
Right? And the Bible says this. It says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Another version says, no one will lay a hand on you. Woo. That's, that's red letters right there. Luke 10, 19. That's Jesus saying that. He promised you nothing is going to touch you. We allow too many things to touch us and hurt us. But he promised us that shouldn't happen. Amen? You got to take Jesus to the bank on these things. Jesus, you said it and you meant it. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't just like a hypothesis or this is something that sounds nice. This is eternal truth that we can believe, that we can hold on to. Amen? In the, in the, in the message, Bible, it says that he actually had, he, he stripped the enemy from all power. And then he had them march naked in the streets. Woo! Jesus wasn't playing, man. You got that? There we go. There we go. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them. So I'm going to march you through the streets and you're going to be naked and embarrassed because of what I just did on the cross. Woo! Jesus meant business, man. Yo! I like That wasn't too nice, Jesus, but he's like, yo, I'm going to embarrass you. I want you to know you can't mess with me. Not only that, you're no match for me. That's what it really means. You're more than a conqueror. You say that, you know what? You're not even on my weight class. You're not even on my level. You are no match. It's like the, the dream team back in the days in the 1990s. They played these other countries. It was like a landslide win. Like winning by 40 points, 50 points. They like doing sky hooks to three-point shots. They didn't even care. Because they decimated the competition. There was no match. You got to know that when God made you, he made a little him. He didn't just make a follower of him. He made a little him. And about says to be imitators of God. Hallelujah. To be just like him. Hallelujah. You know, at the end of the day, Satan is not on God's level. We all know that. You always see the paintings and pictures with Jesus arm wrestling the devil. and That ain't happening, right? He felt like lightning from the sky. That was, he he, he kind of tried to go against God. Like, bam, lightning, you're done. No competition there. I didn't, he didn't even have, he said, I sent my angel to deal with you, and I'm done. Let's move this thing on. You're a serpent. Let's keep this thing moving. But he's, the Bible says that he's your adversary. Not, that's, that's why God's like, you take authority. Well, I used to have dreams about like, people entering my house. So my wife says, yo, I'm having these dreams. Like, yo. And then God told me, take authority. It's your house. Rule over your house. If there's no peace in your house, say, I command peace in my house. If there's bitterness, if there's backbiting, if there's jealousy, if there's, if there's fear, if there's all that, I'm going to take command and I'm going to decree that it'll leave right now in my house. Because it's no match for me. Amen? Someone say, it's no match for me. All right, I'm excited about that. You know, um, number one, when it comes to champions, I love this. Champions fight. 
I don't know if it sounds too Christian. But it's very Bible. Amen? The Bible says you fight the good fight of faith. God expects you to fight. Not, not to lay lax and nonchalant and cavalier about things happening in your home, in your marriage. God says you need to fight. You need to take control. You need to make sure that this doesn't, you need to make sure that you do something. You command something, that you decree something and take charge of something because that's the power that you have. Amen? Let's look at it First Samuel 17. So I'm going to be using um, David for a lot of this because he's, he's the champ up in here. Amen? And we see a great example of him. In 1 Samuel chapter 31, First um, Samuel chapter 17, 31 to 32. And what you see is, I'm going to give some kind of background to this. We all know the story about David and Goliath. We pretty much have heard that through Sunday school, whatever. I'm going to give a, a quick paraphrase and synopsis of it. Jesus, I mean, David was a teenager, right? Some say he was 15. Some say he was 17. And there was, a, there was a battle between the Philistines, and they were a, a group of, of people who followed gods that were not our God. Amen? And there was a battle against the children of Israel and Saul. So this battle is about to commence. And then a, a, a giant named Goliath, who's like about nine feet tall, let's say nine, nine feet tall, nine inches, says, you know what? Pick your best man and I will fight him. If I lose, we'll serve you. If you lose, you'll serve us, right? So this is all happening, and for 40 days and 40 nights, he taunts them. And no one steps up to the challenge. Thank you. And then, all of a sudden, David... (laughs) Like an annoying little brother comes into the scene and sees his older brothers who are part of the armies. And his father says, yo, give your brother some cheese and some bread, right? Give him some grain. They need it for the arm. So then he goes there to do that. But then he overhears that there is this uncircumcised giant that is speaking against the armies of God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. To David right there. Amen. All right. Now, the reason why I want to bring this up is the fact that David was there one day, that one time, and then he heard there was opposition. And that one day, this is what he says. It says, now when the words which David spoke were heard, They reported him to Saul, and he sent for him. Next verse. Then David said to Saul, let no man heart fail because of him. This is because of the giant. I don't want you guys to be worried, although you're like twice my age. Though you're grown men in the army, and I'm just some shepherd boy, I want to do this for you old men who are afraid of Goliath, right? Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. The reason I bring this up David, the same moment that he hears about opposition, he addresses it. The same moment he hears there's a giant, he goes against it. He doesn't wait 40 days, 40 nights like these other guys. The Bible says that they were greatly fearful. Even the king Saul was dreadfully fearful. 
But the first moment he hears the opposition, he runs after it. And that's what a champion does. Doesn't avoid, doesn't neglect, doesn't run away, doesn't move back. He moves forward and goes, where's this Philistine at? All right. I want to fight him. I know I'm 15 years old, but I want to fight him. I'm going to tell you something. David was a fighter. 15-year-old boy keeping the sheep. Bible says that lions and bears. Oh, my. <laughs> lions and bears. He fought them to save and protect the sheep. And the scriptures, I like how the scriptures show it because it says that he would grab the lion by the mane and strike it. He wasn't shooting arrows from afar like, okay, let me get this guy. It's a teenager. So he was used to fighting. He was used to going against opposition. So he's like, this is another day. He says, you know what? The Lord delivered me out of the, the paw, the lion, and the bear. This giant's going to be the same just as they are. Why? Because he's used to fighting. And I'm telling you today, get used to fighting. Get used to coming against opposition. The first that you hear of it, don't avoid it. Don't neglect it. Don't say, you know what? I'll take care of it in 40 days. For I'll sleep on it. No, go against it. Pray against it. Declare against it. Move against it. Lay hands on it. Do something about it. That's what David did. Amen? You know, when I was, um, grew up, as you know, Jamaica, Queens. No, name Queens people in here? All right. There we go. Both sides. All right. Center is all Brooklyn. Okay. And, um, you know, me and Pastor Ernst, we didn't grow up in the nicest neighborhood. Right? And in that day, in the late 80s and 90s, I'm telling you, it was, it was drugs. You know, I had a crack house across the street from me. You know, I had, we had, you know, um, what they call posses back then and crews and all this stuff happening. And, and um, it's funny because my son would say, oh, there's a bully in school. I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> You got a bully. You want to know what a bully is? Kids who have scars on their faces at 12. You know, spent some time in Spotford. You know, got tattoos at 10. You know, it's like, it's like dating teachers. <laughs> that's, you know, that's what we were like selling drugs between classes and staircases. A lot of things happen in the staircases. All this stuff happening. And one thing about us I remember we talked about this. We says, yo, every, almost every day we had to fight. You come in, the bell rings. Someone's like, oh, what's up? What's up? It's like always someone slap boxing you, <laughs> trying to wrestle with you. I was like, I'm just trying to get my, my back, my boot bag off. Can I just go to my locker without someone harassing me? And say, man, what's up? What's up? Beef, beef. And it's, it's all this every single day. Remember that? I mean, come on. Beef. Y'all know you got, you got beef? <laughs> I'm bringing it back for a lot of you heads right here. Yo, I got beef. So everyone has to come with you. I got beef. Everyone has to come and help you, right? And that was, that was, that was our life in middle school. Like, that's what we went into. And we had to have that spirit of fighting back. And I tell my, my kids, I says, yo, have that spirit of fighting back. I know, I know turn the other cheek, and I believe in turn the other cheek, right? But when you're in school and someone's bullying you, I don't want my kids want to commit suicide because they keep turning the other cheek. So you got to stand up against these dudes. Right? And the same for us. We had to do that. So it was in me to always, to, 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 not to be combative, 
but to defend. Have that New York edge and that New York swag and you know what now? Nah, I'm not going out like that. You know, that was in me. So to this day, it's still kind of there. You know what I'm saying? I was, uh, I know I moved to Long Island, Suffolk, Long Island, and pretty far out there recently in, uh, in Medford. And it's funny, when you move somewhere, you notice how New York you really are. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, this stuff is really in me. And I'm like, you see people smiling a lot. You're like, what's that behind that smile? You know, not very trusted. You're like, I got a fruit basket, but what's in the fruit basket? Like, what's in there? I don't, you know, yo, it's, the, it's that New York. It's like, nah, I don't trust that. We're not very trusting people. It's sad, but it's true. <laughs> so I have a neighbor of mine who's very cool, a very nice guy, you know, he's always helpful. And, uh, you know, and, and um, one day I'm coming from Brooklyn, driving home, and I see him, I say hi. And then he's like, hey, what's going on? And I'm, you know, when you're, got my minivan, and I'm helping to take the kids out, they're half asleep. And then all of a sudden, as I'm, you know, I saw him at his house, right? I said hi, and I kind of kept it moving. And I'm getting my kids out. And all of a sudden, as I'm coming out, he's like right there. Hey, Jacques, how's it going? And I'm like, how's it going, neighbor? I'm like, dude, why are you right here, though? Why are you right here? And I'm telling you, the New York in me is like, you were about to catch it, Jeff. You were about to catch one. These hands are about to be laid on you. I'm like, I'm bigging my kids out. And it was dark, too. I'm like, you know, I was like, yo. Nah, you can't do that. You can't, you can't. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I was like, uh, I still got this in me, so I got to, you know. And in ways it's helpful, too. But um, it's, it's that fighter that is in me that should be in you. Amen? And I'm not talking about fighting the flesh. Here. We don't war against flesh and blood. But always fighting it and, and warring against you know, when you see that your wife is not talk to you for a few weeks, you got to war, got to come against that, right? When you see your kids are just on Roblox all day and don't have conversations for you, you got to come against and say something. And I'll be like, okay, it's just happening, right? You got to always fight, always contend, always. Amen? You know, I blame this on Adam. And the reason why I say this is because when he was in the garden and the serpent came, came to Eve, right? God told him a command not to eat from this tree, right? And a serpent comes talking to Eve and he's talking to Eve right in front of his face. He deceives Eve right in front of his face. And then he just like, all right, here's, here's the fruit. Let's go ahead and do this thing. And it was his nonchalant cavalier attitude. How do you let a serpent talk to your wife? Let some devil deceive your wife right in front of my face? What? Nah. That can't happen. That cannot happen. No. Why didn't you say something, Adam? Get out of here, serpent. What you doing up in my garden? But that cavalier attitude has a ripple effect. You think because you're nonchalant, they're going to affect you? 
Because your Catholic is not going to affect you and your kids and your grandkids. Certain things have to stop with you. You say, I'm the one. I'm going to change this. I'm going to detour. I'm going to shift this. I'm going to change. I'm going to be the paradigm shifter in my generation, in my family. I'm going to do that. Hallelujah. You're called to do that. Hallelujah. Amen. Always be ready. Always be ready. Point number two. See yourself winning. In Samuel chapter 17, verse 45 to 46, we see what David saw. And it says here, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. Yo, Goliath was strapped. Sword, spear, javelin, everything. And David didn't have none of that. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who, have, who you have defied. Next verse. The day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you and take your head from you. Now, he didn't have no sword on him. He said, but I'm going to use your sword to chop off your own head. And this day, I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Throughout that whole entire chapter, there's not one account of David doubting that he would kill Goliath. You never hear him say, you know what? I don't know. You know what? I'm not sure. He's always like, who is this guy? Okay, so what do I get for killing him? Yes. <laughs> That's a confident dude. Yes. You're a, a teenager killing someone who's nine feet, nine inches. You're saying, what will I get to kill this guy? Because I'm about to kill him. Yes. He's coming against the armies of God. This, this Ur- I'm sorry, I feel this, this little gnat here is about to get it. Yes. But I'm telling you, he saw himself winning. Yes. And you have to see yourself winning. Don't consider yourself losing. Don't entertain yourself losing. Don't entertain yourself failing. Don't entertain yourself. Just always see yourself winning. See yourself healed. See your marriage well. See your kids being raised up well. See yourself winning. See that great big house because you see yourself well. See it all the time. You know, there's a passage in the Bible, Abraham. The Bible says that, he, did, he was fully persuaded, fully convinced at the promises of God. The Bible says he didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. And that womb was dead. Amen. She was 90 years old. That womb was, shop was closed. There was graffiti on it. It was, it was, it was done. <laughs> it was done. But I'm telling you, he said, I didn't even consider that. He didn't consider the obvious. He was fixated. He was fully persuaded. He was fully convinced at what God said. What if you were fully convinced at what God said? What if you were fully persuaded at the promises of God? No one can convince you otherwise. No one can sway you otherwise. No one can reason with you otherwise. I'm fully convinced what God said it that settles it and it's going to happen for me. That is it. 
That's what I see. I see myself winning. I see myself with hands raised in victory because I am a champion and champions win. And that's for you, not for some celebrity, not for some pastor. And you have to see yourself winning. There was a quote that says, you know, winners see themselves winning. Losers see winners winning. We're okay when, when, you know, Joel Osteen is doing big. We're like, oh, that's great. That's, that's, of course, that's awesome. When celebrities are making moves. What about us? What about us? God didn't call us. God didn't give me great destiny and fulfillment. God, God, God didn't give me great purpose. Am I not a champion? But I have to focus on myself winning, not myself spectating. See, David's brothers are like, we're watching the battle. We're scared. We're hiding behind here. We're looking at a battle. But David's like, yo, I'm about to win this battle for you guys. While y'all are watching, I'm about to win this for you. You about to watch me. Who's going to watch you? You know, God told me this a long time. He says, you know what? Stop being at the front of the line, spectating. Be at the center stage. And sometimes we spectate too much. We Netflix too much. <laughs> but we have to see ourselves winning. There's a quote by Mike Tyson, and um, it's kind of brutal, but I think it kind of fits here. So when I fight someone, I want to break his will. I want to take his manhood. I want to rip out his heart and show it to him. Thank you. Now, he is the youngest heavyweight champion to ever have the belt. 19 years old from Brownsville, Brooklyn. All right, Brownsville in the house. Everybody, Brooklyn. Yeah. 5'9. Like, most of the guys here are taller than Mike Tyson. You understand that? He's knocking out guys who are twice his height. Well, not literally. 15 years his senior. If you ever saw, I loved watching Mike Tyson fights. Have you guys like watching Mike Tyson fights? It was short, but it was nice. You know, it was short. It was one minute, but you saw some powerful hits. Like, yo, this guy. And what you always saw, I love Mike Tyson. Simple, black shorts. Nothing too fan. No frills, no nothing. Black sneakers. Go run them like this. Just like this. Did that neck twitch thing. It was like it's on. You see the other guy just doing all this bouncing. You know. <laughs> he's just like just staring at you. And you know he's thinking that. I'm about to strip this man of his manhood. I'm about to destroy this dude. That's how you went into the ring thinking. That's how he won. That's how he would not do out. 19 technical knockouts, most of them in the first or two, second round. 17 of those. Because he didn't go into the ring half-heartedly. He didn't go into the ring thinking, maybe I should consider if I don't lose, if I do, if I don't win this one, if I have this money saved up. He didn't consider none of that. Say, I'm about to knock this guy out. And then he has the name Iron Mike Tyson to this day, right? Because he is a champion. 
He knew how to think before he got into that ring. We have to know how to think, how to see ourselves before we enter the ring. Amen? Amen. Don't let the devil take your lunch. Like, you know what? This ain't going to happen. I'm going to win this. Amen? Amen? Lastly, don't quit. 1 Samuel 17, 39 to 40. Champions don't quit. And when you see David, this is an example. David fastened his sword. This is when they tried to fit him for the armor. And tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Next verse. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistines. Someone said he drew near. He drew near. Did he draw draw away or he drew near? He drew near. Okay. Now, let me show you this. He was fitted with the armor, Saul's, and it didn't work for him. Now, I'm going to tell you, many times in life, when things don't really work out for us, many times we give up. He could have been like, yo, I stepped up to the plate, but you don't have my right size. So mark me down on record for I at least tried to do this. I attempted to kill while all you guys were scared. And that could have been noted. Hey, at least he stepped up. But hey, you didn't have the right armor for him. But he didn't do that. He didn't give excuses for not completing the job. He was focused on finishing. He says, all right, this don't work. I got to do something. All right, I'm going to get these stones real quick. I'm going to get the slingshot, and I'm going to kill him with that. He took what was in his hands. He wasn't making an excuse for what he didn't have. So often we say, you know what? They have a better, they have a better edge on life. They have more than I do, so I can't do this. They have the perfect this. They have the perfect that. I don't have that, so I can't work with what I have. But you can't give up on that. You cannot quit on that. You may not have something that other people have, but I'm telling you, work with what you have. Work with what you can do and don't quit on it. And finish the job. Amen? Don't stop because you're tired. Don't stop because you're stressed. Don't stop because it gets hard. Don't stop because you're frustrated. Don't stop because you're confused. Don't stop because you're insecure. Don't stop because you're super stressed out. Stop because you finished. Hallelujah. Stop because it's done. Jesus was all about finishing. He says, it is what? finished. He had some, he had some moments. He's like, yo, pass this cup before me. This is intense. I'm taking upon the sin of mankind, past, present, and future on my shoulders. I'm being whipped. My beard being torn off from my face. I'm being spat on by my own creation. And I have the power to turn this around. I could call 12 of these angels right now and tear you guys up. But I'm, I'm going to hold back because this is the Father's will. And I'm going to finish this thing. You got to finish your purpose. You got to finish your destiny. You got to finish your future. You got to finish it, complete it, and don't quit out on it. I was, um, this is, I'm, 
How many parents we got up in here? All right. <laughs> Let me tell y'all something. Now, a lot of people, before you have kids, people tell you, yo, do it now, because when you have kids, you can't do a lot of things. And many times, we can buy into that lie and say, you know what? It's too much for me. I can't do it. And I'm telling you something. I have three of my own, and um, I work, and I was feeling like, yo, this is hard. <laughs> I got to preach. I got to write. I got to do all this and that. But God gave me the grace to do it. Mm-hmm. Kids shouldn't pause you. They should push you. You don't stop because you have kids. You do it because you have kids. You want to let them see what you can do. Well, let them see what God can do through you. You keep pushing. You keep pushing. You keep plugging. You keep moving. Hallelujah. Toni Morrison just recently passed away, wrote many, many books. She was a single mother with two kids, a professor, had a, had a full-time job. But she said, I'm going to commit myself to writing. And she wrote 5 o'clock in the morning every single day. Dedication, commitment, didn't quit, and published multiple books, bestsellers, Nobel Peace Prize. Why? Because she didn't quit. It got tough, but she kept moving. She kept plugging away. She kept focusing on the goal. And you got to do the same. The Lord was like, you know what, Jacques, there's a lot in you. And he demands a lot from you because he sees a lot in you. Yeah. 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 And you see a lot in me, God, but I, it's a lot. And he was like, yo, wake up earlier. Go to bed later. Get it done. Keep it moving. Keep praying. Keep writing. Keep publishing. Keep doing it. Keep making messages. Keep doing it. I don't care if kids are burping in your face and plopping and throwing up, right? You got to just keep doing it. You'll go to the PTA meeting. Go, go, go to parent-teacher conferences. Get the report card. Do all that. Do the homework. But get my assignment done. You're here for a purpose. You have an assignment here that you have to fulfill. Kids are important. My, I love my kids. End of the day, God puts you here not just to have kids, but to fulfill a specific assignment here on earth. When you die, you say, yo, Lord, I'm here. Says, you know, what did you do? I raised my kids. That's nice, but what's up with this? I'm just saying, I love my kids too. I wrote kids' books. But at the end of the day, that assignment has to be completed. Hallelujah. And you can do it. I believe that you can do it. See, when you push yourself, you see your real self. That's why you have to surround people with people who are going to push you. Don't have fans, have friends who are going to challenge you. Say, did you write that book yet? What's up with that music you say you're going to come out with? What's up with that clothing line? What's up with that book? What's up with all? What's up you say you're going to get this done? Right? Need my help? Let's get it done. Not like, I understand. I got you. I'm stressed too. I know what you're saying, right? No, I don't need that. I need you to push me. 
I need you to push me out of normalcy. Push me out of mediocrity. Push me out of the average. I don't want to be status quo. I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to accomplish this thing. I want to do big things. I'm called to great things. That's what you need. Hallelujah. And it happens when you believe that you will never quit. Someone say, I'm never going to quit. Some say, I'm a champion. I'm never going to quit. I'm never going to stop. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can change me. I'm going to keep it moving. I'm going to get it done. Because I'm a champion. Hallelujah. Someone get excited. Someone praise God right now. You are a champion. You can do this thing. God has called you to great things. Hallelujah. You were called to rule and reign in life. You were called to be a champion in Jesus Christ. The Bible says he has led you. Look at this. Thanks be to God who always leads you to what? Triumph. Not sometimes. Not the easy times. He's always. He's always like, all right, I want you to win. Just follow my lead. Okay, that's how you win. All right, follow my lead. Come this way. And you're going to be a triumphant one. He always wants you to win. He's always leading us there. Because how he sees you. He sees you as a champion. He sees you victorious. He sees you with valor. That's how God sees you. Hallelujah. Jesus, I thank you. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.